Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 144 of the podcast that was originally recorded on January 8th of 2017. Some of the games I played this week, a few later filler games, one called Insider and another called A Fake Artist Goes to New York. I also played a couple of very cool games, one Snow Tales, a nice little racing game, and then a popular game that's had a lot of hype to it lately called Mechs vs. Minions. I also talked about a few of the games that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to episode 144 of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. Last week, I did a top 10 list, and I have turned that top 10 list into a geek list out on Board Game Geek. So if you would like to comment on any of the top 10 games that I actually discussed last week in my podcast, we have a guild out on Board Game Geek. We are guild number 2440. You can head out to the guild and comment there. I also put a little post out there about a game I'm going to be talking about here in a little bit, Mechs versus Minions, and I gave a few thoughts on the on the forums as well as I'm going to discuss that here on the podcast, go through a little bit of some of the gameplay and stuff during the What I'm Playing Now part of the show. So I'm hopefully going to be posting a couple of posts probably per week out there, maybe a little more frequently than that, depending on how much gaming I'm able to get in out on the forums. I'm going to try to be a little bit more active as well as creating a few different geek lists possibly throughout the year since I now have a handle on how to do that. And I'd like to thank the people who actually wrote up some really nice information and forum posts on how to actually do the geek lists since, yes, last night was the first time I really sat down and tried to really compile one, and it was actually very simple and easy to do once I found a great post, and I can't remember where that post was or I would thank the person by name, but thank you to those who completed that. All right, let's jump into a few of the games we played this past week. We're going to start off with a couple of smaller filler games is how we seem to be starting our Thursdays out when I'm heading down to the game store. Also then going to talk about a few other games that I played both this week as well as last week. The first game we're going to talk about is a small little game called Insider. This is actually a game from, I believe, 2016, if I remember correctly. We can check on Board Game Geek here real quick. Yep, this is one of the games from 2016. And it's basically a little filler game that is similar to 20 questions. The master player is going to hand out toke tiles to everybody and the tiles will basically say common on all of them. One of them will say insider. The insider will actually know the word that the master is going to write down at the beginning of the game. So once the master writes down the word, everybody's going to cover up their eyes um, kind of just like in Werewolf and some of the other deduction type games, the insider will open up his eye, his eyes, read what the master has written down as far as what the word is. And then everybody will open up their eyes and then everybody will basically start asking the master questions. And it's similar to just 20 questions where you're asking simple yes or no questions. And the insider is trying to kind of throw everybody off because the insider doesn't want the rest of the table to figure out what the word is. And if the word is figured out, then everybody at the table is going to vote and try to guess and see if they can figure out who the insider is at the table. 
and we were able to do that. It's a really interesting, really fast game. It doesn't take long at all to play. I think we had our game knocked out in about probably seven to eight minutes because I believe essentially you get five minutes to do the 20 questions part, and there's a timer that does come with the game. So you can't sit there and try to, you know, drag this out too, too long because of the timer. But it was a, a lot of fun. We actually played this one a couple of times, and we had a really good time with the game. It was a really interesting light filler. It was a lot of fun if you're looking for a nice party-type deduction-style game. This comes in a nice small box. It's something you can probably carry in your pocket, take down to your local game store or your local pub or something where you play some of your board games at, and you'll be able to get in a quick game of Insider, which we really liked. Then our second actual filler game that we played for the day it was a little similar to insider but this one instead of using a word you were doing a drawing so this one was a fake artist goes to new york and i believe from looking up on board game geek this one's a few years old i think this one when i looked it up it said that the year it came out was 2012 possibly if i remember correctly and in this game once again you're going to have somebody who's playing kind of like a master type player and they're going to take all of the tiles and they're going to draw or put a word on the tiles. But on one of the tiles, they're actually going to put an X. They're going to hand the tiles out to all of the players around the board. Everybody will be given a matching color pen that goes along with the color tile that they were given. Um, because you want to be able to track who's drawing on the paper as it's going around the table. And everybody's essentially going to be allowed to draw one line on the paper as the paper comes around to them. And you're trying to, everybody's trying to put together and draw the word that they're given. But then you have that one player that has the X on there. And that's what everybody's trying to figure out is who has that X and who is the fake artist. And it's really funny as you're playing this game because depending on where the X is at on the table and who goes first, sometimes it's a little harder to figure out if the X is a little up higher in that chain. If they're like the second person at the table and they're just drawing another line to go along with the first line, it may be a little difficult for everybody to actually kind of figure out who that uh, fake artist is. But we had a pretty good time with this one. In this one, I wrote down the word dog and went around the table. And everybody was, towards the end, the picture actually did start to look like a dog. But there were a few lines that were really out of place. And you were able to tell from the, the person's pen color who that person was. So everybody was able to figure out who the fake artist was. And I think the first time we played the game, when I was actually one of the people who were drawing as well, we did a roller coaster. I think that was the word we were given. So both Insider and Fake Artist Goes to New York, they're kind of little hit, hidden deduction type games. Both of them are really light fillers. They could be knocked out in less than 10 minutes. I mean, if you're sitting around and you're just waiting with a small group of people to kind of see, kind of like how we do on Thursday night when we're down at our local game store, we're waiting to see who's all going to show up before we start separating into smaller groups and start playing other games. You know, these nice small filler games sometimes are just really nice icebreakers to just kind of, kind of get the mood going for everybody to start gaming for the night. And both of these games were actually really fun. So we were playing the Japanese versions that my buddy Eric actually picked up when he was over in Japan last year. We're still trying to work our way through all of the games he picked up over in Japan. And that was a good six to eight months ago, I think, that he was over there. So he had brought back a lot of games and we're slowly, slowly working our way through all of those. And probably over the next couple of months, we'll actually be hopefully towards the end of that list. But I believe 
We may then have more once his girlfriend goes back there to Japan this year. So we'll have to wait and see about that and what she's able to bring us back. But those are our two little filler games for the week. Insider and a fake artist goes to New York. All right, let's jump over to something maybe a little bit meatier and a little bit, I don't want to say more fun, but something that's going to take a little bit more than 10 minutes. I was actually able to get Snowtails to the table a couple of weeks ago down at my local game store. We were trying to figure out what we were going to play. I had brought that, so we pulled it out. I had read through the rules once several weeks ago, so I really wasn't able to teach it. So we kind of just pulled out the rules, and um, our one buddy Brian sat down, and he kind of read through the rules as we were starting to do a setup and everything. And we went with one of the early maps and early easy maps, I guess you could say, in the game. And... The, the instructions and the, and, the, and the rules for Snowtails really aren't too difficult. Everybody's going to start off with a with a sled, you know, a dog sled. And it's essentially this is a racing game. Everybody's going to start off with their sled being balanced at the left and right blades are going to be at a move of three. And then their break is going to be set to a three. On your turn, you're going to have a hand of cards. And what you're going to do is you're going to play, you're going to select one number from your hand and it could be one through, I think they go up to five, and you can play as up to three cards of the same number across the different parts of your sled. So if you wanted to put fives everywhere, if you wanted to put a five on the left, a five on the right, and then do a five break, um, you can essentially play a five card on either side of your sled and then discard a five card to actually change your break from whatever it was to the five number. Now, how you're going to calculate your speed, you're going to add the two numbers that are on the sleigh on your sled together. So if you had the two fives there, that would be a 10. And then you're going to subtract your break. So if you actually bumped your break up from a three to a five, 10 minus five would be a five. You would be able to move five. If the numbers that you have on either side of your sled are even, um, and what I mean by even are if they're the same, I guess I should say not even, if they are the same, you will be moving in a straight line. If either of those sides is different, your sled is going to pull in that direction. And it's very easy to see which way your sled's pulling because on your sled, they have a little yellow and red flag on either side. And they also have these flags corresponding on the tracks on the board as well. So when you're you know, going around corners or you're possibly looking at the board upside down from the way your sled is, it's very easy to see which way you're going to be moving your sled left or right if you have to move that um, sled that in that direction accordingly, because all you have to do is look at which side of your sled has the higher number on there and you'll be moving towards that colored flag on the board. The first track that we played was a much simpler track than the second track that we played that my buddy Eric kind of threw together, which was just a completely insane track. It was probably not really good for our second game, but I think most of us made it through it, but him, I think he actually wrecked his sled now that I think about it. But we all had a great time playing uh, Snow Tales. This is a racing game that I had a really good time with. There's a lot of different strategy that you can use in this game because in a lot of racing games, just like Formula Day and some of the other racing games, you really have to watch when you're taking your corners. So utilizing your cards and trying to figure out what you're going to be needing to do two to three steps ahead of yourself is what you're going to have to try to want to watch out and keep cards in your hand for. Because if you're coming up to a corner 
you don't necessarily want to blow through that corner at too high of a speed because you will take damage. And when you take damage, those cards are going to end up into your hand. Your, your sled's going to get dense, uh, basically, is what happens. And those dent cards will stay in your hand. And it, what it does is it just doesn't allow you to draw as many movement cards as you might want to to give you as much of a variability as you might need to be able to move the rest of the way the way around the board. So trying to keep those dent cards out of your hand is something that you're trying to do. So when you're coming upon a corner, you want to make sure that you possibly are applying your brake, not basically blowing through the corner. You also get some movement bonus based on where you are at in uh, in the turn order. If you're able to go straight, you could possibly get a movement bonus if you are if you were in first place, and you might get to add on a few extra spots onto your move towards the end. But we had a really good time with Snow Tails. I really enjoyed it. This is a game that I definitely need to teach to my wife. We haven't had a chance to get it to, get it to the table here at home. But I have a feeling that she'll really like it. It's very easy to pick up on. It's a game that has a lot of customizability to it. There are a lot of different boards that you can put together. You can make the tracks as easy or as difficult as you like. Like I said, the second track that we played, we went completely off of the book and just put together a bunch of different tiles. But some of the tiles that we put together may not have been the most efficient because we were going from an area where everybody was funneled down into one lane. And one of the things that tripped me up during that game, one of the players kind of just stopped right there in that middle of the one lane section where nobody could get around them. And you can't really slam into somebody's sled. You can't get around them. And you're pretty much at their mercy at that point in time. And that is actually, in reading the rules, a valid strategy to use. So that kind of threw me off, put me a little bit behind. But, you know, sometimes when you get to the straightaways, if you can ha have a couple of good cards, you can play some higher cards, back off on your break a little bit, try to do a little bit of catch up. But Snow Tails, if you haven't seen it, it's a really fun game. If you've also if you've also if you've also seen Santa's Renegades, which is a small box of promo cards that um, Renegade actually released during the Christmas season, there's actually an extra tile in that Renegade Santa's Renegades for Snow Tails, which is an extra which is an extra track piece, which is pretty cool. So I actually have that in my box now, and I don't believe we actually tried that track piece of track. But there, there are so many different tracks that come in the box itself, and I believe they're double-sided. So there's a lot of customizability, like I said, you can do with the game, a lot of replayability. And this is yet just another great game by Renegade that I really enjoyed. So I was really happy that I had picked this one up. This one had been on my um, want-to-buy list for quite a while, and one of the reasons I was holding out on it for was for my local game store to actually get in that box of Santa's Renegades so I can get all the promo stuff for Christmas. So once they got those in, I picked up the, I think the only copy of the last copy of Snow Tales that they had left in so I could get my copy of that Santa Re Santa's Renegades to get all of the promo cards for that. So Snow Tales, if you haven't played it, I would definitely say try to get that one to the table. It was a really fun racing game. And then this past Thursday, we were down at the local game store. My buddy Dave brought in his copy of Mechs vs. Minions. Yes, the heavily hyped, the heavily everybody's talking about this game. You're seeing pictures on all the different Facebook, Facebook groups. A lot of people are doing videos on this one. Mechs vs. Minions. This is a take on League of Legends, published by Riot Games. I was, I was a little concerned with this game originally because... 
to me, League of Legends, Dota 2, which is Defense of the Ancients, which is a Steam game, which is similar to League of Legends, and a lot of the different MOBAs. And if you're not familiar with these types of games, MOBA stands for um, Massively Online Battle Arena. So what these games are originally how these games are originally structured is there's usually two teams. Each team is trying to protect, let's just say, their own castle. And you're trying to work your way across the map. There are different maps in some of these games. And trying to get to your uh, opponent's castle or their fortress and destroy that. Along the way, you're having to fight these smaller minion-type characters, which in some of the different games are called creeps. And in Mechs versus Minions, they're just calling them minions. And you, during the game, you're leveling up, and you, you're you kind of doing that in Mechs vs. Minions as well. Because I've noticed as the game progresses, you're able to play cards as long as they are of the same suit on top of each other on your tableau in front of you to allow you to perform maybe greater attacks, perform or do, or do larger movements than you would with some of the earlier cards. So at its base, this is a programming game. So everybody's going to start off by drafting a couple of cards. You have a tableau in front of you where you're going to be putting these cards, and they are slotted from, I think it's one to six, if I remember correctly. I think it's one to six. And the first game that we played, we played the introductory scenario. And it was it actually kind of just teaches you how the programming works. Everybody's drafting the cards. You're trying to just move and then destroy a couple of crystals on the map. It's a very nice introductory scenario. It's very easy. It teaches you all of the different icons on the cards, what some of the different cards can do as far as either moving, turning, attacking, and things like that. The programming, I will say, is is pretty easy to pick up on. Yeah, I mean, once you kind of get a couple of movement pieces down, you'll see that, okay, I I need to basically have like a movement here. So you could try to, when I was initially playing my cards down on my tableau, I wasn't necessarily just putting all my cards in the one, two, and three spot. I was trying to maybe put them in like two, you know, four, and then maybe six or five and trying to space them out so I could see what type of movements or what type of abilities I might want in between some of these actions rather than just try to go with what I'm drafting in a straight row because you definitely want to be able to move things around because you don't know when you're going to need to do a certain action. And each each round, when it comes to be your turn, you're going to be just following your whole tableau from left to right as far as what cards you have played there is how your mech is actually going to move. So like I said, in the first scenario, it taught us how to do the different programming, what the different cards are. I think we had four of us playing, and at the beginning of that first scenario, I think we just had to destroy four crystals. And then there was a second part to the scenario where we had to destroy a couple other things. So it taught you, you know, small movement, turning, and then attacking. So the second scenario was a much more difficult scenario. It definitely took a lot longer than the than the introductory scenario did. I won't say it dragged on a little too long, but during the middle part, it did seem to kind of just become a little stale because the way we kind of attacked the scenario, several of us started moving forward. A couple of us built up our attacks very quickly. And even though 
those minions are spawning each turn. There's different spawn points on the board where minions are just kind of coming out of and spewing forth each turn. You're just putting more and more on the table. Once we got into some of our larger attacks in the game, we were easily able to pretty much keep the board cleared each turn. The biggest thing we had a problem with was trying to get somebody to move the actual capsule or mine that is in the game for that first scenario. Or I guess I should say, well, it's the first scenario. It's not the introductory scenario. It's the actual true first scenario where you're trying to move this mine to a particular spot on the board. So we only played those two scenarios. I'm not too familiar with any of the other scenarios that are in the box. They are all sealed. They try to keep some of that stuff hidden. So hopefully there are no spoilers that I have given. I don't think there's any spoilers because you're going to find out what these are very early in the game. There's also one character that comes in a box, which is kind of like, I believe, like a boss character, which will be utilized in some of the later scenarios. But I found the game to be um, really fun. I wasn't too sure about the whole co-op aspect for it before I started playing and after I was done playing. I still wasn't too sure if I really appreciated it as a co-op game. As far as programming games go, games go, I thought it was a rather simple programming game. I mean, having to follow suit and you know, build up on your uh, attacks or moves and keeping the same type of suit. So if you had one fire card there, you can put another fire card on top of it to get to the next level of that second card. If you put a third card on top of there, you could get to the third level of that top card. If you wanted to wipe that whole row out, you can just place a different suit card down on there and all of those fire cards could be wiped out. Like if you wanted to put a computer card down, I believe is what they were called. It would have wiped all those fire cards out. When you're taking damage, you have to draw from a damage deck and those cards can kind of... Set on top of your other cards to maybe mess up your movement a little bit or some of your abilities. Those cards can be gotten rid of, though, by during the drafting phase, discarding the card instead of actually putting it into your tableau. You're able to repair and get rid of some of those damage cards um, that you have in front of you. And while several of our players did take some damage while playing, they were able to keep themselves pretty much healed up once we were able to keep that board fairly cleared. So I will say, component-wise, the game is gorgeous. I mean, Riot Games, for their first board game, knocked it out of the park. For the price that they're charging for this game, what comes in that box, it is one heavy-ass box, I will say. It is just heavy. It is filled with thick hardboard boards that you're going to be playing on. There are a ton of miniatures in here. The pre-painted minis look extremely well done. I mean, some of the best pre-painted minis that I've seen in a long time, and they're not small minis either. Those mechs are pretty decent sized, you know, mechs. The minions have some nice detail to them. There are, I think, four different kinds, but there are just a crap load in the box. I mean, there's just tray upon tray upon tray of just minions and just plastic pieces in this box. And having the scenarios being in different kind of like dossier, dossier folders is kind of really cool. So as you're going through, you can open those up. There's additional cards in those and I'm not even too sure what else is in them because I've only seen the introductory one and the first one. But I, we could tell that in just feeling around through some of those that there were some additional cards and some other things in there. So it'd be kind of interesting to actually play some of those later scenarios. So maybe once Dave actually gets some of those done, maybe we'll be able to play those at a later time. But everybody liked the game. Like I said, I'd almost like to see, though, that even though it is co-op, if you could actually damage your companions it might make the game a little bit harder 
because I think it would it just wouldn't allow you to just be so crazy with some of your attacks. I mean, several of us just went for like fire attacks and used the fuel tank, which gave you like everything in a three space radius is just decimated. And a couple of us had that and we were on different sides of the board. And as the two of us are moving down the board, you're just able to just wipe everything up off of the board with this huge attack. And while it did take us quite a while to actually get to that part of the game to where we had those larger attacks, once you're there, the minions don't really even seem to be much of a nuisance at all. They're just more of a put them, you know, put all these mech minions out on the board, take all these minions out because I just killed them. I mean, so we had, you know, got our got our one ability up to like the level 15, I'd say rather quickly. And like I said, I think the biggest problem we had was everybody actually getting their movement down and trying to get behind the mine and then get it to the right place. And once I kind of got a couple of cards in place to where I can position my character or my mech in facing it in any direction at the beginning of the turn, and then with a couple of speed cards, I was able to move forward and move that mine forward is pretty much how we were able to finally get that mine to the to the right place because somebody in front was pulling it a little bit. I was pushing it as well as the person in front, We you know, was well, they were getting pushed as well. And then we were able to successfully complete that first scenario, which, like I said, we all did have a good time with. I definitely would play this game again, considering it's co-op. Everybody knows my wife isn't a huge fan of co-op, so I probably wouldn't add this game to my collection. I would probably add a different programming game to my collection, one that would actually allow us to possibly have a little bit of more um, attacking and interaction with each other rather than, you know, trying to just say, okay, I'm going to take this card. Who wants this card? And, you know, that was pretty much how we were doing the drafting. And when you do the drafting for your um, abilities, it is a little stressful because there's a timer that once the person who is dealing out the cards flips over that last card, they flip over that timer. And I believe you have about 30 seconds or so, maybe less than that, to actually grab grab your card and figure out what cards you're going to take. So, And we were trying to stick pretty close to that. And we were trying to enforce that, you know, Everybody make sure you have your card in your hand by the time that that um, buzzer is, you know, by the time that sand has gone through that, that, um, that little sand timer there. So we had a good time with it. Like I said, probably wouldn't add it to my collection, but it's a game that everybody should probably try. I mean, I don't think the game lives up to the hype that it got when it went on sale. I mean, considering that everybody who wanted this game pretty much took that website down trying to get it. And that there has just been so much talk about this game. And it just seems like it's so popular. It's it's an okay programming game. I mean, and that's pretty much about how I would rank it as well. I mean, I would say it's probably about a 7 if I was to grade it on a scale of like 1 to 10. It's, it's probably a good 7 type of game. I wouldn't probably go any higher than that or any lower. So that game, Mechs vs. Minions, if you haven't tried it, get to the table. And if you do play it, Go over to the forums that we have and let me know what you think about it. I'd be interested to see what some other people are thinking about that game. So those are the games we played for the week. Let's talk about a few of the things that I want to play on Kickstarter for the next, I believe, 20 or so hours. I believe they're down to less than a day, possibly. There's a Traveler customizable card game. Traveler is probably the second role-playing game that I actually played as a teenager. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons was, of course, the first one. And when I had gone down to my local hobby store when I was a teenager... 
where we used to play Dungeons and Dragons, uh, one of the guys had pulled out Traveler one day and had introduced it to some of us. I then picked up some of the Traveler books myself because I really enjoyed that whole spaceship and science fiction type combat and everything. It's was it's it's completely different than um, Dungeons and Dragons at the time. I mean, considering you're kind of controlling not only a character, but possibly a character with a spaceship. So you have way more um, information in front of you than just your character sheet. But it was just a, a really cool game that I really enjoyed. And it seems that a customizable card game is being put out based on Traveler. I've taken a little bit of a look at this. I have not kickstarted this myself. I'm very interested in playing this, but I'd like to see a little bit more of the gameplay before I actually committed to something like this. So that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of holding off on um, kind of kickstarting this one. Also, if it's going to be customizable, I'm interested to see how some of the additional cards are going to be sold and what's all going to happen with some of this stuff. I don't think they're going to do the whole starter booster thing. Um, I don't think it's going to go like that, although I, I could be wrong. But I'm, I'm really interested in trying this game out. I would like to see it. It looks like they're going to successfully fund. So hopefully there are going to be some copies that possibly some local game stores could get in and we'll be able to get this one to the table and check it out. But I am quite interested in this one considering how much I did enjoy the role-playing game. And then for my second game of what I wouldn't mind playing and what I want to play, a little game called Watson and Holmes. I've always been a big fan of Sherlock Holmes. And Watson and Holmes sounds like a really fun deduction style game. It reminds me a little bit of the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective that I have. Uh, this one, everybody, each player is going to go around to different locations. They're going to have to spend different carriage um, currency to try to get that, to that location before other players. They're trying to obtain the clues at these different locations to try to solve a mystery. Hence, Watson and Holmes, that is what they do. This game sounds kind of interesting. I think I saw it down at my local game store, but I don't think they had too many copies in. So hopefully I can find somebody that has this uh, a copy of this game and actually get this one to the table because I definitely like to try this one before adding it to my collection just to see how it plays and how well it goes. So that's it. Those are the games I played for the week as well as a few of the things that I'd like to play. Hey, as always... Send me some emails. You can let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild there. We are guild number 2440. On Twitter, you can follow me at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for what I'm playing now. On Google Plus, we're plus.google.com slash the plus sign. What I'm playing now podcast. And then as always, our Twitch channel, which will hopefully be live this week with a playthrough of a game on Tabletopia is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. So keep an eye on Twitter and on Facebook, and I will probably be posting when we go live with some Tabletopia gameplay. But until then, everybody knows what they need to do. Go play some games and then let me know what you're playing now. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week, and we will see you later. Bye-bye.